This week, I'm going to tell you about a museum artifact that I would love to have in my own collection. And I am both shocked and confused by the fact that it's not from Skylab. Where's the real Emily? And what have you done with her? It's really me. It really is. Uh, there's more to me than meets the eye. Apparently so. As there, <laughs> as there is with this artifact. Uh, please do get in touch with your own favorite museum artifacts and let us know the stories behind them. You can find us at Space and Things One on Twitter and Space and Things Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, I find hearing about the smallest item can often lead to so much new knowledge. So please do get in touch. But right now, we hope you enjoy the latest episode of the Space and Things Podcast. You're listening to Space and Things with Dave Giles and Emily Carney. I'm Emily Carney. And I'm Dave Giles, and welcome to this week's episode. Now, this is an episode which we recorded a while back, just in case something happened which meant we couldn't get an episode recorded. And with some pre-COVID activities returning again, this may be something we have to do a little bit more often now. Uh, Content-wise, we will always do our best to shed light on something you may not have heard about too much. But we obviously won't have the latest weekly news, but we'll do our best to catch up with those things next week. Um, It does mean that the episodes are slightly shorter, though. Anyway, enough with the logistics. Let's just crack on with the show. (laughs) Okay, we're off to a good start, Flight Cool. So, a few weeks back, I asked Emily, knowing we were going to be recording this kind of episode, I asked Emily to think about all the different museums she's been to and to to tell me, and therefore us, uh, which single artifact that she would like to have in her own personal collection. Earlier today, she told me what it was, and I'm still really confused that it's not a Skylab item. But alas, I'm also really excited to hear hear you talk about it, Emily. So, Emily, please introduce this wonderful artifact and where it is. It's kind of, well, I I can kind of make it Skylab related because the (laughs) astronaut, well, wait, the astronaut who used it was on Skylab at one point. Um, The actual item is, drumroll... Owen Garriott's ham radio from STS-9, which was the ninth shuttle mission, which launched in November 1983. It was the first Space Lab mission. For those of you who don't know what Space Lab is, um, it was like a um, collaboration between the United States and the European Space Agency. Uh, The deal was that we brought their astronauts to Space Lab and we got the hardware for it. And in exchange, we flew their astronauts. So... Um, a really kind of a cool program. Uh, it was kind of a like a test platform for a lot of stuff um, in the early shuttle program, and it was a science lab, which was really cool. Anyway, yeah, Owen Garriott was the first ham radio operator in space. Basically, um, ham radio is sort of like amateur radio communications. Um, you can, I think anybody can become a ham radio operator. You just have to pay for, um, there's, I think there's a couple different license two or two or three different licenses for it. I do not have a license. Um, I'd, I'd like to get a license, but I need equipment. Um, but basically it's sort of amateur radio and, um, it allows people to sort of contact each other all over the world and stuff like that. And, um, in the 80s and 70s, that was really kind of becoming a thing. We all, In the United States, we had something called CB radio as well. I don't know if you, you might not remember no. this. It was where people talked to each other through like, 
Just watch Smokey and the Bandit, the movie, okay. <laughs> and you'll understand what CB radio is. It's very of its time. It's very 70s. That was real popular back then. I do not know why. It was enough. Maybe I should explore this in my, <laughs> my blog. But um, ham radio, basically what um, it enabled was that regular people could talk to, like, Owen Garriott in space. No way. Yeah, if they had, like, a ham radio license or something. And I think um, there's an article that I read about it, and I think he would put out something called, like, a CQ, which is sort of a general call. Basically, when Columbia was within sight, people could interact with him while he was in space. And it was the first time you could really do something like that, which is really cool. And I just, I don't know, I just find that fascinating. I, lo- I love that kind of stuff. I love the fact that just regular people could have sort of like a thing like, yeah, I talked to a spaceship, you know? That's, I mean, that was before like the internet as we knew it. Like you couldn't just, you know, tweet at a astronaut or something, you know? You couldn't just do that. You, so the ham radio was kind of like the beginning, I guess, of that. So I just think that's so cool. Yeah, ridiculously cool. Do you know if there were any schools that had ham radio that met and schools were contacting him? That would have been amazing. I don't know about him particularly, uh, if he talked to schools and stuff like that. I think he talked to just sort of ham radio users. Like, people would sort of wait until Columbia passed by and they could have an opportunity to, you know, interact with him or whatever. I do know that later in the space shuttle history... Um, it kind of became commonplace aboard. The shuttle did have its own, I think, ham radio project or program. I think quite a few astronauts were able to talk to schools when they were within sight nice. um, and talk to like students and stuff like that. And that went on, I think, through the whole shuttle program. And I believe it's um, the ISS now. And I've just pulled up a link. There's um, something called AMSAT, which, which is Amateur Radio in Space. Um, it is like a society that people can join if you're if you're um, if you're probably a ham radio operator, and I believe you, and you have to have a license to do that. I don't think the test is very hard. I've actually looked into getting it, and it doesn't seem that bad. So, you know, if you study and you know, you could probably get a license or something like that. Um, the fascinating thing to me was is that the the unit that Garriott used in space is so small; it looks like a walkie-talkie. Because I was thinking, you know, it's 1983, you know, computers aren't quite what they are now. You know, we don't have iPhones, but I was surprised at how compact the um, unit was. It looks just like a walkie-talkie, and it's at Kennedy Space Center. And I, I, it's in the Atlantis building now. It used to be um, at the old Astronaut Hall of Fame, but it's in the uh, Kennedy Space Center near Atlantis. And I think there's a, I don't know if it was flown during STS-9, but there's also a space laptop and the same like exhibit area and what's hilarious is that if they had an error on the laptop um you did the same thing that you would do on earth <laughs> turn it off and turn it back on and i'm like that says it right on it but it says it in like fat fancy nasa language but it basically says you know it says something like cycle it off and on and i'm like really they could have just said turn it off like basically it is the same in space as it is on earth yeah so Nice to know that. Yeah, one of them big 80s laptops from back in the day. I don't know. I'm always in- interested like in these sort of things that sort of connect the past and the future. And they still do. Um, to this day on uh, the ISS, there is ham radio. There's something called the uh, ARISS, A-R-I-S-S, which is uh, amateur radio on the International Space Station. 
And um, they have contacted, according to the website, uh, astronauts have contacted thousands of hams around the world. Um, and they can operate the two-meter packet radio in unintended mode. Unattended mode and hams can make contacts with the ISS station when the crew members are working. So there's more um, information on the ARIS website. I had no idea about yeah. this. Yeah. I think the ISS also broadcasts, and this is something popular with a lot of people who were into um, ham radio. Was uh, I think they brought the uh, ISS broadcast slow scan TV, which, if you have that equipment, you can intercept what they're broadcasting. At the time, um, the only thing I really know about slow scan TV, that's kind of neat in itself, sort of neat to read about it, was um, during uh, one of the Voyagers, I think it was, I forgot if it was one or two, there was a Saturn encounter in 1980, and um, people who had slow scan TV got pictures of Saturn before, like, everybody else did. Like, they were the first people to see what Saturn <laughs> looked like, which to me is like, like they're just yeah just people who kind of have like amateur equipment you know and they're like yo what's (laughs) this is a whole other planet you know and yeah they were getting pictures from voyager before everybody else you know because they had that equipment where they could get that signal and stuff and i'm like oh my god i don't know much about that but to me that's just incredible that like they got to see that sort of unedited first you know before a lot of people did that's really kind of neat so i love stuff i love stuff that kind of gives regular people you know, sort of an interface with that world. So I think that's really cool. You know, not in sort of a stalky way, but sort of in a like, wow, we have the technology where we can contact them. So yeah, on Gary, it's a ham radio. I think that's, I just think I love that stuff. And um, I'd like to get a ham license, but I don't know. I have enough things I'm doing right now. <laughs> and um, I don't need enough. I don't know. I, I don't know if I have time. Yeah, don't need another hobby. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I, I don't think I have time to do that. So yeah, so I just think that's really cool. So that's probably the thing I'm most interested in. And I know people are like, is she okay? You know, it's not something from Skylab. <laughs> There's a lot of amazing Skylab stuff. I just, I can't take the whole space station. So, you know, that would, that would require <laughs> me moving the entire thing. And I, I don't think I, I don't think Steve would be happy with that. So. <laughs> of course. I think this is a great artifact because I didn't know about it. I must have seen it, but I didn't, wouldn't see. This is the thing I love about this question: is that someone explaining something small. What you may walk past and think, "Oh, that's just a small something, insignificant," has got a great story behind it. And it's impossible for museums to share every story to its full because they've got so many artifacts. And exactly, it's one of the reasons why, in many ways, I prefer museums with smaller amounts of artifacts on display so i can really get into each artifact and find the story behind them I'm, re- I'm really glad you shared this this is amazing yeah another thing i think is um i don't know if it's still on youtube or not it was on youtube years ago and it may have gotten removed so um if it has uh, i'm sorry i led you guys down a path but there <laughs> used to be a, a video on youtube about ham radio during that mission and i think owen gary it was in it talking about it because it basically um, interviewed a bunch of people who were trying to contact him through ham radio during that time. And it was really cool. So I'm not sure if that video is still up. It might not that be. Was, that was my next question. Is there evidence of people who spoke to him? And, and uh, yeah. I'll look for it. I'm sure there's a lot of people who, um, I, I remember this. I don't, this was years ago. I think I, I may have asked a question about it. 
And I think somebody was like, yeah, I remember waiting up so I could talk to him or so I could interact with him or something because they had to wait until, you know, Columbia was within a certain area and then they could interact with him. And I'm like, that is freaking awesome. Like you're talking to somebody on the space shuttle. And and again, as you as you kind of mentioned earlier, it's not like the technology then existed for it, like like you and I are doing from the other sides of the, the Atlantic to be able to have this conversation now. Exactly, didn't exist back then, and or to be able to do it via video call definitely exist, and you couldn't just send a, a, a tweet or a text to someone. You couldn't email somebody. It was crazy. I've recently reviewed a, a the shuttle mission control book by Marianne Dyson, and I'm reading in there, and it's like you think, oh, it's the 1980s. That's not that long ago. And then you realize they didn't have email. They had to send pneumatic tubes um, with messages in them and memos in them and stuff to each other. That probably felt really cool as well. Yeah. And um, when they had to print a screen, like, you know how when you're on your computer and you want to screenshot something, you hit print screen. They actually had somebody take a physical photo of the screen. Wow. Like, that's how, like, because people like, man, the space shuttle was, the space shuttle was amazing, but it really... When you read that book, you're like, you know, technology was really still adapting to the time. Yeah. So it's just reading that to me, I was like, well, I had no idea. I assumed that when they, they could print screen, it would be a screenshot like on your computer. Nope. It was an actual photo somebody took. Crazy. You know, and they put a timestamp on it. Like, yeah, I took this photo for you of your screen so you could keep the data. And I, I just think that's hilarious. I think it's hilarious just because it's like yeah, NASA high tech yeah. and people probably assumed and not back then. It was a little, you know, they were still adapting to everything, you know, that was back when they had tracking stations yeah. still. So that's my favorite artifact. And I know nobody expects that. So yeah. I have all of your calls on tape, and so I should be able to sort it out on the ground. So uh, several of your calls will be recorded and on my tape recorder, and we'll get it straightened out a little bit later. Uh, so W5 Lima, Foxtrot Lima, Spacecraft Columbia is calling uh, CQ for Europe, and I'll be standing by for the next uh, 90 seconds for receiving more of your calls. Over. So that's all we have for this episode. Just a tiny little one, uh, but... As we explained earlier, sometimes this will have to happen. And next time we do one of these, it will be my turn to present an artifact. But in the meantime, we would love to hear from you, our listeners, on your favourite artifacts too. You know what? It could even inspire a whole episode. So please do get in touch. I'd love to hear about this kind of stuff. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, There is a contact form on our website, spaceandthingspodcast.com where you can get in touch or use your preferred social media page, although we're not on TikTok or Bebo. Well, not anymore anyway. Um, Maybe we should start a MySpace page, but anyway, (laughs) (laughs) don't forget, in space, no one can hear you meme. (laughs) Space and Things has been brought to you by And Things Productions.